And now we'll be reading from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Please turn in your Bibles. So that's John chapter 14, starting verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Good evening, everyone. It's a joy to be here in God's word again tonight. Tonight, we're concluding our sermon series called Five Burning Questions. Concluding with the question, what about other religions? Perhaps this is a question that either you've thought through yourself or will likely encounter when spreading the gospel with unbelievers. Now, contained within this question is perhaps a whole host of other questions. Is Christianity the only true religion? Aren't other religions equally valid? Are all religions fundamentally the same, but superficially different? Are they all different means of worshipping one God revealed in them all? Or if only one religion is true, which one is it? These are all questions I'm sure we've either heard, perhaps we've thought about, or that we'll encounter with unbelievers, or even with believing brothers and sisters. We find an example of this in the real world in 2016 when the ABC posted an article titled Muslims and Christians Worship the Same God. And I love the subheading. That shouldn't be controversial. Or perhaps you've heard of the blind men and the elephant analogy to describe world religions where there are four blind men who encounter an elephant for the first time. And since these men have never encountered an elephant, they grope about seeking to understand and describe this new phenomenon. One grasps the trunk and concludes it's a snake. Another explores one part of the elephant and finds the legs and describes it as a tree. The third finds the elephant's tail and announces that it's a rope. And the fourth blind man, after discovering the elephant's side, concludes that it's a wall. Each in his blindness is describing the same thing, an elephant, yet each describes the same thing in a radically different way. People use this illustration and say that it's analogous to the different religions of the world, that world religions are describing the same thing in a radically different way. Thus, all religions should be viewed as essentially equally valid and worshipping the same God. But is this a correct way of thinking? 
And if someone came to us with these questions or this story, how would we answer them? Well, to address these, we're going to look at two points. The first one, that religions contradict each other. Therefore, all cannot be true. And second, we will look at the truth claims of the Bible and how we know that Christianity is exclusively true. So let's dive into it. Firstly, let's address the question, aren't all religions fundamentally the same? The short answer is no. And the reason is our first point, that different major religions fundamentally contradict each other. Therefore, all cannot be true. If you've done a dive into any of the world religions, you'll find at their core fundamental differences that are blatantly irreconcilable. And it will show them to be describing different gods, different systems of worship, and usually entirely contradictory worldviews behind each. So let's take a look at a few examples by comparing some major world religions. First, let's think about the second largest professed world religion after Christianity, with 1.8 billion adherents, Islam. A Christianity and Islam essentially the same as the ABC article suggested earlier. Well, firstly, within Islam, we see an outright denial of a Trinitarian God. And within the Islamic worldview, all who believe in a Trinitarian God will end up in hell. And if this is true, then Islam is making an exclusive claim about God that Christianity fundamentally disagrees with in the Bible. Other than a denial of the Trinity, we see an outright denial of Christ's deity, his godness within Islam. Islam teaches that Christ is simply a prophet and teacher But to call Christ God is a damnable heresy. Christians that call Christ God are guilty of something called shirk, which is the Islamic sin of raising a created being up to the same importance as God. This is, according to the Quran, the one unforgivable sin in the eyes of Allah. Christians in the eyes of Islam are deserving of eternal judgment for believing in the deity of Christ. This is the total opposite of Christianity, which claims that Jesus must be God as he himself taught. Otherwise, there would be no salvation. We'll look more at Jesus' claim on that in a moment. But we also see in Islam an outright denial of Jesus' death which is central to Christianity. Surah 4, 157 of the Quran says that the Jews were boasting, saying this, We killed the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, but they neither killed nor crucified him. It was only made to appear so. Even those who argue for this crucifixion are in doubt. They have no knowledge whatsoever only making assumptions. They certainly did not kill him, 
That's in the Quran. They certainly did not kill him. Yet Christ's death is what Christianity hinges upon. If Christ did not die, there is no forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. Christ had to die in our place as the sacrificial lamb and take our punishment for us to have forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him, that's Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Thus Islam directly contradicts Christianity at a fundamental level, saying that Jesus never died. These differences between Islam and Christianity are fundamental differences that if we take the claims of Islam and the Bible seriously, they cannot both be true. Either God is Trinitarian or he is not. Either Christ is God or he is not. Either Jesus died or he did not. You cannot hold both of these together as worshipping the same God or the same religion as they are fundamentally contradictory. Only one can be true or both be false. They cannot be held together. Let's think about some other religions for a minute or two. Let's think of Hinduism which teaches that there are multiple gods to be worshipped. Or Mormonism, which teaches that there are multiple gods and that you can one day become a god. These directly contradict Christianity. For example, God says in Isaiah 46 verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So we see here Christianity proclaims, God proclaims that he stands alone as God. There is no other. And in fact, there are many places where God declares the sinfulness of worshipping false gods over the one true and living God. For example, in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. So you see, there's a fundamental difference here. There cannot be many gods deserving of worship and one God that demands exclusive worship. Only one can be true or both be false. Now, I've illustrated only a few things, but when you compare all of the world religions, they are fundamentally different, but especially so to Christianity, contradicting in central ways, comparing, sorry, concerning God Jesus and salvation. If they're similar in any way, they're only superficially similar, yet they fundamentally contradict. So major religions fundamentally contradict each other. Therefore, they cannot all be true. But how do we know that Christianity is the only true religion? This brings us to the next section. The truth claims of the word of God, the Bible. To see the exclusive truthfulness of Christianity, we're going to look at two things in the Bible, although we could look at lots more. 
First, we need to look at the Bible's claims, truth claims, about Christ. And finally, we need to look at how he backed up his truth claims, especially in his resurrection from death. So firstly, we need to look at the Bible's truth claims about Christ. But why the Bible? Well, the Bible claims to be authored by God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We need to take this truth claim seriously. All scripture, the word of God in the Old and New Testaments is breathed out by God. This is important because if you remember back to the elephant analogy at the beginning, the claim of many is that all religions are just experiencing a different side of the same thing. Thus, all religions are valid. Yet this completely falls apart. If you have someone with complete sight standing near the blind men and telling them that they are touching an elephant. This is what is distinctive about Christianity. God has stooped down and perfectly revealed himself in his word. In a sense, he has revealed the whole elephant to us so that we aren't left groping in the dark trying to figure out who God is and how we are to worship him. God himself in the Bible has told us what true religion is. Therefore, we need to take seriously every word that is in Scripture because God has revealed clearly and accessibly in his word to the world who he is, how he desires to be worshipped, his plan for creation, and ultimately his plan of salvation in Christ alone. So let's look at these truth claims now of Christ. Who is Jesus according to God's word? What are the truth claims about Christ in the Bible? Firstly, the Bible teaches that Jesus himself is God. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the divine name for himself that is used of God in the Old Testament. Jesus says this, for example, in John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. How incredible. Jesus existed before Abraham. But he doesn't say before Abraham was born, I was born. But before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus is claiming here to be the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh. That is what God's name, Yahweh, means. I am. He's clearly pointing to the fact that he is God. We see this in other places in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, where every knee bows and tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, Yahweh, to the glory of God the Father. Now, we must seriously consider Jesus' claim here about who he is. 
What do we do with his claim to be God? C.S. Lewis says we only have three options. Let me read you a quote from him and see if you pick them up. He says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What are you going to do with the person Jesus? Either he is a lunatic, a liar, or truly who he says he is. God himself. He cannot simply be a great man. He has to be one of these three. Logically, there's no other option. So what other evidence do we have in the Bible of the truthfulness of Jesus' claim to be God? How do we know that he's not just a liar or a lunatic? Well, we see the disciples calling Jesus God. In many places. We can see this in John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 at the start and the start of verse 14, where the apostle John writes this. In the beginning was the word, it's Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, claims that Jesus is the maker of the universe, infinite in power and majesty and glory. John is claiming that Jesus was and is the highest of all, above all created things. God himself, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus took on humanity to come and redeem those who were dead in their sin. We also see Thomas, another one of Jesus' disciples, see Jesus after he resurrected and touched Jesus' pierced hands and wounded side. And afterward declared to Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 28, my Lord and my God. And see the context that these statements are written in and which Christianity spread. It cost the disciples their lives to preach this about Jesus. There was no good reason to make this up. Preacher Alastair Begg said, you've read enough church history to know that the context in which the affirmation of the exclusive claims of Jesus were made was one which resulted in the death of those who held most forcefully to it. 
You see, all of the disciples of Jesus were killed for their proclamation of him. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, the Apostle Paul appeals to the fact that there were 500 eyewitnesses of Jesus after he rose from the dead. And many early Christians, probably many of these 500 too, were killed for their faith. Why would these people die for something that wasn't true? Especially those who had seen Jesus die and rise from the dead with their own eyes and was testified to by many. There's no good reason they would make this up. Furthermore, Jesus backs up his claims to be God through miraculous deeds. Miracles that were seen by many eyewitnesses and have been reliably transmitted to us in the Bible. Jesus changed water into wine, cast out demons, healed lepers and diseases, healed a paralytic, raised the dead, restored sight to the blind, cured deafness, fed the multitude, walked on water, calmed a storm with simply his word and rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. All of these demonstrate that Jesus' words are true because he has the power of God with him. He is no mere man or liar or lunatic. Consider too that Jesus fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament that came hundreds and sometimes thousands of years beforehand. Though other religions have prophecies in them, none are 100% accurate or specific as is in the Bible. And none of them point to a person like Jesus who claimed what he did. Consider one of the incredible prophecies in Isaiah 53 verses 5 to 6, which Josh read out earlier, that points to Jesus' death on the cross for sin 700 years before Jesus was on the earth. It says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 700 years before Jesus was sent to the cross to take the punishment for sinners, God said it would happen. The New Testament is filled with allusions to the Old Testament prophecies and passages like this that were all pointing forward to Jesus. There is no other religion that has predicted things this accurately. And therefore, this is further truth, further proof of the truth of Christianity. Lastly, in looking at the truthfulness of Jesus' claims, we need to look at Christ's resurrection. We also saw that over 500 people saw him after he rose from the dead. And we saw the testimony of Thomas in the book of John. But consider this. No other religious leader 
has died in full view of trained executioners, had a guarded tomb, and then rose three days later to appear to many, many people. This resurrection is proof of who Jesus is and that he did accomplish what he set out to do, provide the only means of redemption for humanity. Buddha did not rise from the dead. Muhammad did not rise from the dead. Confucius did not rise from the dead. Krishna did not rise from the dead. Only Jesus has physically risen from the dead, walked on water, claimed to be God, and raised others from the dead. He alone has conquered death. Why trust anyone else? Why trust anyone who can be held by physical death when we have a Messiah who is greater than death itself? See, Jesus proved that he undoubtedly has the power of God. We've seen Jesus' disciples' testimony, his miracles, his resurrection, fulfilled prophecy, which all testify to the truth that he is who he says he is, the only God. By default then, if Jesus is God in the flesh, then whatever he said and did would be true. And Jesus affirms this himself in John 8, 31 to 32. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus himself claims that his words are truth. With this in mind, let us look at Jesus' exclusive truth claim in John 14, verse Six, where Jesus says that he is the only way of salvation. Jesus says this in John 14, 6, which we read earlier. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See what Jesus is saying. He's saying that no one comes to God except through him. There is no other way of salvation, no other truth, no other life, whether it is Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, or animism, there's no way to know God, the Father, or to have life except through Jesus. Being saved and knowing God are exclusive to Christianity. But what does it mean to come to God through Jesus? This is also what sets Christianity apart from all other religions, the gospel. Salvation does not come through our good deeds, but by grace, through faith in Christ alone. Other world religions divide us, devise a system that we need to do to reach an ultimate goal, whether that's ultimate enlightenment and liberation from our flesh or becoming a God or going to eternal paradise. All other religions have works at their core. We need to ultimately do something to be saved. This is completely contradictory 
to Christianity, where God alone does the saving. The Bible teaches that humanity at their heart are rebels against God, deserving of God's eternal judgment, and that humanity cannot do anything to save themselves. Yet God, in his free grace and mercy, condescended and took on flesh in Jesus to take the wrath and judgment for all those who truly trust in Christ alone to save them. This is the exclusive truth of Christianity that brings freedom. The exclusive truth of Christianity that is fundamentally different from all others. That Christ alone is the only one who saves. Only Christ is the way of salvation. The way into the Father's presence. The truth who sets us free. And the life. All other ways lead to death. Jesus has proved this once for all. And God has given us reliable testimony in his word. So before we finish tonight, if you're not a Christian, what are you going to do with the person Jesus? Seriously ask the question, who is Jesus? Look at the evidence that's before your eyes. Go and read the Bible and seriously consider the truthfulness of it and the reliability of it over against other religions. And ultimately, run to Jesus and trust in him as the only way of salvation. See that other religions lead to death. Also, Christian, when evangelizing and people bring up questions about other religions, see that it's not prideful or arrogant to claim that the only true religion is Christianity. If Jesus truly is who he says he is, the only way, the only truth, the only life, then true humility is listening to him and believing him and proclaiming him to the exclusion of all false ways, all false truths and all false paths to life. If we love people, we must proclaim Christ alone. We must shine the gospel of Christ in our words and deeds with the help of the Holy Spirit, that all other religions would be seen as what they truly are and that more people would forsake the false religion for the only true religion centered around Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you have condescended and given us knowledge of who you are. And Lord, you've given us Christ to save us from our sin. You alone do the saving. And Lord, we praise you for this wondrous work that you've done in Christ Jesus alone. Would you help us to consider this and to trust in him to the exclusion of all else? And we ask that as we proclaim Christ, that others would also see that false religions lead to death. And would they give you the true worship that you deserve? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.